I have mentioned on uh, I (laughs) (laughs) Britney Spears. Yeah. Welcome back to the Shaken Not Scared podcast. Here with you as always, your host, Eric and Vivi. Today we're going to be talking about the 2020 film Freaky, directed by Christopher Landon. But before we get into that, how are you, Vivi? I just had a million thoughts rush through my head. Why? Because I realized we watched a lot more creepy content that's on this list. Oh, did we? We saw The Black Phone and then we saw Norseman. We did, but I wrote this before that. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, I am on my period and I am craving violence. Oh, fuck. That's why this movie was a good pick for this week. It's pretty violent. Not the sadness violent, but... Would you get to this point one day if you were just thrown off the edge in moon time? Thrown off the edge and turned into a giant man, maybe. (laughs) That's just one really bad period putting you into the body of a man. Could you imagine if women turned into men during their period? Like werewolves, legit? That'd be crazy. That'd be great. Can we make that movie? I think it is. Ginger Snaps. Oh, is Ginger Snaps women turning into werewolves when they're on their period? I think so, yes. Oh, I've never seen it. I've only seen bits and pieces of it. I do really want to watch it. That's cool. Damn, so they've done it. (laughs) (laughs) Thought you had a great idea. How are you? I'm okay. I'm finally not sick. You guys probably noticed that I was a little phlegmy on the last. Nasty. Yeah, on the last one. But it's finally hot out too. So I'm glad that I'm not sick anymore because getting sick in the summer fucking sucks. Go out there, get on the beach, get you some drinks. And make sure that you play this podcast while you're there. Sweet. That sounded like an ad. (laughs) But what have you been watching, reading, creepy contenting? I've mentioned on the podcast before that I used to watch this show called Paranormal Witness all the time. I don't know if I had it for creepy content in the past, but it is available on Peacock. So I've just been rewatching it and it's been very nostalgic for me because I watched this like my eighth grade year, my freshman year of high school. And it's like some stories are great. Some stories are cheesy. It's funny to go back and watch things and realize how bad or good it is. Yeah, I was going to ask, does it still hold up? Some do and some don't. Was this remade? No. Okay. I thought that was like the previous version to that one paranormal show on Netflix. Oh. With um, the people who aren't believable at all. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. I did watch all of those too. I like it better than the one on Netflix. The thing about this one is it covers a lot of very famous hauntings from like the perspective of the actual people who lived it. So like the haunting in Connecticut is one of the episodes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Which one's your favorite? I don't know yet. I have to. <laughs> I keep falling asleep watching it, but. Oh, no. I'll it's get back boring. To you. No, I just <laughs> try to fall asleep to, to something murder. comforting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to the haunting of many, many people. Yeah, it's comforting. It's great that it's not me. Although I will say with us constantly looking for a home, I will take a haunted house now. I think I've said in the past that I wouldn't. I am taking that statement back. Yeah, I've been looking at creepy houses and I'm like, hmm, this one is literally falling apart, but it'll do. It's literally falling apart and it's still a million dollars. Yeah, it's fucking stupid, dude. <laughs> at this point, I think they would charge extra for a haunting. You think so? Because I would it's too not popular. be surprised. Yeah, someone's in there like, all right, let's exploit this. It's not even haunted. It just smells really bad. We're going to say it's demons. <laughs> yeah, demon farts. That's what they say demons smell like sulfur. So what have you been watching? I've been on a little bit of a zombie kick. I did watch Zombie with a Shotgun finally. I think I had mentioned it months back. Watched it. Regretted it. This movie was not good. It it was not good. I'm sorry. Harsh. Yeah. But if you want to go watch something good that's zombies, Blood Quantum was mentioned to us by Christina from Miss Spooky Tales and others who've also said like it's really good. So I watched it. It's on Shudder. It's pretty cool. It's like imagine if in a world where white people were the ones who became zombies and Native Americans were immune to the zombie virus. This reminds me of that sketch from Key and Peele. Yeah. Where I... the zombies are racist. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought about that exactly. <laughs> uh, 
but it was cool because it's like they're immune. Obviously, they're not immune to death, so they still can die if they get eaten up too much. But yeah, it good. sounds interesting. I think it takes place in Canada because you could tell that they have a Canadian accent too. Oh, cool! I was listening to something. I think an audiobook, and clearly the person reading it had an accent because it, when they would say W's, it was always very exaggerated. Like, oh, was it? While like oh, while. <laughs> was it what? Meg? Are they British? I don't know. That's like that dude from that show that you were watching. Do you remember? It was like molestation. Every time... What was I watching? <laughs> was it a crime documentary? Every time he would say, and then they were investigating for molestation. It's I like, think it dude, was like... Had no accent the entire time, but for molestation, you're like molestation. Yeah, I think it was like one of those shows, like 48 hours or something. Yeah, he sounds a lot like the guy from the ankylosing spondylitis commercials you've seen those he says it like 50 times in the Did one we commercial. not look this up and realize that it's not a real thing it is real <laughs> okay <laughs> i feel like we've looked this up before yeah because he's like if you have ankylosing spondylitis make sure to call this number so that you can tell them that you have ankylosing spondylitis check for this symptom that symptom this symptom i swear if we you looked have it up symptom it may be ankylosing spondylitis it's where we looked it up and it was not a thing i think it's real now i want to look it up okay go for it it is see autoimmune control condition type of arthritis in the spine causing inflammation and gradual fusing of the vertebrae you read that really fast yeah you well, sound like you could do those ads actually side effects might include <laughs> what side effects might include turning into a vampire that's a great side effect being on your period and turning into a werewolf both at the same at the time, same time. <laughs> yeah when i re- first wrote the notes we hadn't watched this yet because we weren't sure but we did go watch the black phone and we watched northman at home because it's on peacock which one do you want to talk about first i guess spoiler free review for the black phone definitely recommend going to watch it i really liked it I really like a good story. I don't want to ruin anything. Just go watch it. Yeah, it's really cool. There were a lot of themes that I really loved. It takes place in the 70s, 80s. I always love a movie in that time period. And the ending is satisfying. I know that some people maybe had mixed reviews, but I put this probably around four. You? Yeah, I'd give it a four out of five. It's really good. Classic Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke is great in it. Yep. He's also in Northman, which was funny because it turned out that we were watching just Ethan Hawke movies all weekend. <laughs> yeah. But Northman's been out for a while. I don't want to say that it's fully horror, but it does have horror themes. For sure. Some talking zombie heads and whatnot. Yeah, a lot of murder. Lots of murder. A lot of raging, berserking, hulking, sweaty, dirty men and women. Mostly men. Butt cheeks without end. Well, we get butt cheeks like six times. I didn't even notice that. This is just the North butt cheeks. That's what the movies should be called. <laughs> I didn't notice <laughs> the that. The whitest butt cheeks you've seen in your life. Well, they're from the North, so. Yeah, there's not enough sun. No, there is not. <laughs> what did you think of it? I thought it was pretty cool. I did think it was The Lion King, though. Oh, it's definitely The Lion King storyline. Yeah. I think visually it's very beautiful. Pacing was good up until a certain point where I was just kind of like, okay, like, where are we going with this? And it was all right. Like, I would just give it an all right. So I would give that one a 2.5 out of 5. Just because, like, it looks really good. Yeah, I'd probably give it a 3 for the action. But it is hard not to watch and think it's The Lion King. Like, endless allusions to The Lion King. King, It's just like, okay, that's Rafiki. All right, that's Timon and Pumbaa. All right, thanks. Final battle and fire, yep, yep. You could tell which ones are the hyenas. Well, what do you have for comfort content? I guess Paranormal Witness is also my comfort content. It's really all I've been watching. Really lulls you to sleep, huh? It does. I do love a good haunting. What about you? I have continued my Curtis Connor kick and started listening to the very, really good podcast, which he has. I've also been opening packs with Vivi, Pokemon packs. It's been fun. I feel like she's had more fun. It's like gambling, though. That's yeah, it fun. is. We make bets. Keep an eye out for that. I think once we have a space and a house to do that kind of thing, we're probably 
going to stream some on Twitch, and she's going to help me. We're going to bet each other. Yeah, I'm only in it if there's betting involved. Yeah, what are we betting? We usually bet who has to buy beer, because what else do you bet? I've been losing. All right, well, what drink do we have for today, then? For today, I made a drink. I'm calling it La Dola, after the dagger in the film, because it's going to make you want to switch bodies after drinking it. Oh, no. Just kidding. It's not that bad, I hope. So it's basically a raspberry sour. The only difference is that I wanted to put two shots on top of each other inside the drink, but it didn't really work with what I wanted to do. So instead, I just flipped a shot glass upside down in a regular glass, filled it with mezcal, and then made the regular raspberry sour, poured it over it. And the idea is you get two types of liquors, switch them up when it mixes in the drink because La Dola is an Aztec drink, so we went with mezcal. And then I believe in the movie, the kids are all drinking whiskey out of a bottle. So I just figured we'd combine those two. Did you taste test this? I messed up. So one, it already mixed prematurely and one, it might have mixed now because we've been talking for a really long time. So (laughs) the only reason I ask is because I know we were like, do we mix both? I don't know. How will it taste? I think it's going to taste fine. Because they're both smoky liqueurs. If it's nasty, we'll say it. Do you want to try the failed or the real? Try the real and then we'll try the failed. Don't pull it out. You got to drink it like that. And it's supposed to slowly disperse the mezcal as you go. Oh, that's interesting. That is really delicious, actually. I like this. It's really sweet and sour. And I know that I've said I don't like sweet stuff but the smokiness just saves every drink for me so i could just put mezcal in everything and it'll save it for you yeah i think so <laughs> i'm gonna put this theory to the test i just really like that flavor of mezcal i've heard some people say like mezcal tastes like burnt tires like your mom tastes like burnt tires dude. <laughs> <laughs> all right what would you rate it i would rate this a four and a half i'm gonna give it a five out of five it's really delicious still high i could see too like running around for my life from somebody while, while drinking, drinking this, this. Yeah. <laughs> at a party it's like hold up hold up hold up this is good though all right let's keep running (laughs) while you're in the process of switching bonnies would you like to hear some freaky fun facts yeah that was a good segue okay good so i didn't find too many but the film was originally supposed to be called freaky friday the 13th and let me guess Disney said nay nay. Does Disney own? Disney owns Freaky Friday. Oh, Disney owns Friday the 13th. <laughs> yeah, Disney owns Friday the 13th. Actually, Disney owns all the murder movies. Disney owns everything. You know, the Friday the 13th and Freaky Friday. Very obvious that this would be called that. Good name. Honestly, I think Freaky Friday the 13th would have been fun, though. It would have been funny, yeah. But Freaky's fine. Christopher Landon, the director, wrote Happy Death Day to you and proposed a crossover to the first Happy Death Day with this film titled Freaky Death Day. So you switch bodies and you have to live it over and over again? Can you imagine? Or like every time you wake up, you're in another body. Oh my God. Every time. I would totally watch that. Christopher Landon's actually done a lot. He's like written and directed and screenplayed for a lot of other horror movies. So good Isn't for him. he part of like the paranormal? Yeah, he did Paranormal Activity 2, 3, 4, Next to Kin. He did Viral, Disturbia. But on top of that, this movie was clearly inspired by a ton of other horror films. Landon has come out and said that he included inspiration from Jennifer's Body, clearly. Scream 1 and 2. Yeah. Fright Night, The Blob, Urban Legend, and Cherry Falls. I haven't seen some of these, so I'm sure they're there. Yeah, I don't think I caught all of them. I did catch some references, but it's also just, haven't seen some of these. There are so many Easter eggs in here, though, that we can get into when we talk about it. But some include the mask at the beginning that resembles Jason's hockey mask. The Aaron Rodgers mask that sort of alludes to the William Shatner mask from Halloween. Okay. Strode is the last name on Booker's jersey, alluding to Laurie Strode. The hook weapon Millie carries could allude to the killer from I Know What You Did Last Summer. That's what I thought it was. And Millie's last name Kessler could allude to David Kessler from American Werewolf in London. So Booker's first name is Booker? I thought that was his last name the entire time. <laughs> yeah, it's Booker Strode. Ah, interesting. That's a, it's a that's a choice. Weird name, yeah. That's all I have. I, I'm stuck on Booker being an actual name. Booker 
worst road. I mean, it's not the worst. We could get into the Easter eggs, but first, I guess it's my turn again for a speed run. I mean, don't sound so happy about it. I feel like I just did one. Was it for Patreon? It was, because I did the last one for Death Drop Gorgeous. Oh, did you? I feel like I did that one. No, you say that about all of them, and you haven't done a single one. Uh, what do you mean? I've done speedruns forever. This is going to be hard, because I haven't seen Freaky in like a week now. Ready? This is going to be hard. Ready, set, go. Okay, so this is going to be all out of order, but we get introduced to a bunch of friends hanging out at some rich person's house. They all get killed. This one guy comes in out of nowhere with a mask, and he's like killing them. There's this knife that's calling him. He takes it. The family finds everybody dead. Cut to this girl who's like clearly pretty, but they're like, oh, she's a fucking loser, so she's obviously getting picked on by everybody. She's got her friends. They have a handshake. It's fun. She's the mascot at the football games. Killer comes out of nowhere. Is about to kill her. Stabs her with the knife. Doesn't actually kill her. They switch bodies. Freaky Friday style. They wake up in each other's bodies. The killer has to figure out how to be a girl. And he's actually really good at it. And, you know, who knows? And the she's in the guy's body. So then she's like, oh my god, I have to find my friend. So then the whole movie is basically a bunch of shenanigans while Millie, in, you know, the killer in Millie's body starts killing a bunch of people who are assholes anyway. And then at the end, they have to figure out how to get the knife to kill the killer to switch bodies back before midnight, Cinderella style. And then they do it. The cops shoot him down, moves over. They're all friends. And Millie gets her confidence. Wow, you literally made it with two seconds to spare. <laughs> I thought I was taking too long. No, you did really well. Was that spot on? It was pretty good. I missed some details. Maybe? I mean, it's a minute. You're fine. It's fine. Beautiful. This movie's fun. I really enjoyed this movie. There's so much just like, this happens kind of like this other movie. This happens kind of like this other movie, which is fine. I yeah, think. I would say shout out to Trent from Nightmare Fears for recommending this movie for yeah. us this month. Yeah. We also have some more recommendations coming up in the next couple of weeks. So keep sending them in. Yeah, we're going to get to them. We're just really slow at this. Two episodes a month, guys. Until we find the haunted house for us. The haunted house of our dreams. Send us haunted houses. Ooh, yeah. I want to take a look at those. Like that one with the prison in the basement? I mean, I don't want a prison in the basement. I mean, we could turn it into like a daycare. Like that one house. Oh my God, we did see a house with a very creepy daycare in the basement. <laughs> and it was like writing on the wall. and It, it was, was like... not a happy daycare. Care. We couldn't tell if it was for dogs or kids because it looked like it could be for both. <laughs> if that gives you an idea. Yeah. All right. What does the internet say this movie is about? Do you want to go ahead and give us the review since I'll be talking for the rest of the <laughs> episode? After swapping bodies with a deranged serial killer, a young girl in high school discovers she has less than 24 hours before the change becomes permanent. Short, sweet, to the point. Yeah. I mean, that's basically the movie. What does it rate it? 6.3. Which fair, I guess. I feel like IMDb does not give anything more than a seven actually i feel like everything's been a six lately right the promo work for this is pretty good too it's a girl shaving with a giant knife which we posted on our socials yeah you can see the butcher's reflection in it butcher gets no name just butcher ready to jump into it yeah let's do it i'm ready are you i'm feeling a little freaky let's go okay i also say that i didn't hear a lot of hype about this in 2020 well we were all dying so yeah that's fair wonder if it hurt the movie because it's very fun. Was it straight to the stream? Yeah, right. Yeah, most things were. Okay. At that point, most things were. Well, everyone was too busy watching pandemic films, remember? It was like the top 10 films on Netflix were all pandemic oh, and breakout yeah. films. Um, Contagion was one of them. I always thought that was strange because I was like, don't, wouldn't we want to like not? Wouldn't we want to forget? Yeah, but apparently the world thought the opposite. No. They're like, we're dying right now. Let's go watch some movies that basically remind us of what's happening outside. Let's get more scared. I don't want to watch the news because that's all they're talking about. Let me go watch Netflix and watch exactly what they're talking about good point all right we open on wednesday the 11th with text that looks pretty similar to the friday the 13th title card evan narrates the urban legend of the blissfield butcher who began killing in 1977 as we get introduced to four teenagers drinking by a bonfire in front of a very huge rich looking house why are kids always rich in 
movies like this. They really are. Isaac is not buying the story, and Ginny corrects him, saying the killings actually started around the 90s and that the butcher has not been seen or heard of in the last 20 years. His urban legend is the only thing that resurfaces every year. Sandra asks if he didn't come back to kill a bunch of kids at prom a couple years ago, but Ginny says that it's the homecoming that the butcher's story revolves around. If this was 20 years ago, do we assume that the butcher was maybe in his 20s when he killed a bunch of kids in high school? Probably. I'm wondering if this is inspired too by like My Bloody Valentine. It does have that vibe and the whole story of when they say they thought it happened in the 70s reminds me of the Golden State Killer case where they found him in his 70s years later because they make a joke like, oh, there isn't a geriatric serial killer out there. There's also just this reoccurring thing in horror right now too to bring back old movies from 70s 80s right where the killers are like in their 60s 70s and they're still out here murdering people just murdering everybody honestly i think if it was real it'd be like unless they're supernatural yeah you could probably like take them out pretty easily but they've been killing for years so you know they're in shape there's some in shape six-year-olds six-year-olds how much are they killing though to be in shape at least every year five to six kids for a movie there's got to be a workout out there that's like train like a serial killer (laughs) it's gonna be like the like get that chris hemsworth thor body it's gonna be like get that vince vaughn butcher body (laughs) (laughs) top 10 workouts to get that vince vaughn butcher body i thought it was so funny when he appears on the screen you're like yeah that looks like a chicagoans body (laughs) (laughs) his body does seem like a vince vaughn body i don't know if you're complimenting him or insulting him (laughs) no body shaming it is what it is this is a very body heavy movie isaac makes a joke about what this year's homecoming will bring while scaring sandra by saying boo and jumping at her. This is so weird. It's like a dick move. You're right next to the person. Why'd she get scared though? <laughs> it's like my brother, Mark. It's like you're standing and talking to him in front of him. And you're like, Hah! and he's like, oh shit. <laughs> Making eye contact. Yeah. Well, she spills her beer everywhere and gets annoyed. She storms off to clean herself and Evan looks at Isaac hinting that he should go with her. Isaac follows her but looks visibly annoyed. This leaves Evan and Jenny to start making out immediately. Inside the home, Isaac is super impressed with all the artifacts Jenny seems to have in her home. And Sam Sandra explains that Jenny's dad is an art collector. What a douche hobby. To collect art? Like this? It feels like you're collecting it so museums can't have it the way he has it set up, you know? They're cultural artifacts. It takes about 0.1 seconds before Isaac finds a scary looking dagger that is emitting creepy voices and whispers. He asks, what the fuck is Ladola? And tries to open the dagger case. Idiot. I wouldn't go around touching anybody's shit. Nope. Especially if it looks this fancy. It's in a box. It's expensive. It's in a case. I would not touch anything in this person's house (laughs) because I cannot afford to break it. But teenagers in horror movies think differently, I guess. Well, entitled teenagers. But Sandra is not impressed. She asks Isaac for help, but he says he doesn't like her attitude and goes off to explore more of the house. He passes a wall of masks, and the audience can see that one is missing. He wanders into the basement, where there are a ton more freaky artifacts, but also super old fancy wine. The door slams behind Isaac, and he drops the wine. He gets mad at Sandra once more, thinking she's behind it. He starts to clean up the wine when the butcher suddenly appears behind him. He's wearing the mask from the mask wall, and it looks a lot like a Jason mask. I honestly thought it looked like the mask from The Mask with Jim Carrey. Really? The wood mask? Because it's kind of wood-like. It is. It's still creepy, though. I'm surprised I got away with this. He grabs Isaac by the hair and proceeds to shove a wine bottle. Yes, an entire wine bottle down his throat until it eventually shatters in his throat. Does it shatter or does he? I thought he punched him in the throat and causes it to shatter. 
I thought the so much pushing it down like caused it to shatter in oh, his windpipe. I have to watch it again because I swear he like punched it, Ugh. causing it to break. Either way, we get tons of shards of glass and wine and blood pouring out of this kid's neck. This has apparently been done in two of the movies too, and I haven't seen them. I thought it was unique. That was the first time I've seen it. Same. We cut back to Sandra in the bathroom when she hears someone pounding on the bathroom door. She says, I'll be there in a minute, but the butcher does not want to wait and kicks his way in. He grabs Sandra, who has fallen to the ground, screaming. He puts her head on the toilet and uses the lid of it to repeatedly bash Sandra's head in. This is the worst way to go. So it's probably like the most lazy. Like mm-hmm. you, you, you go from like breaking wine glasses in people's throats to just hitting their head on the toilet? Come on, man. No, I mean, he grabs the lid and smashes it. That's still... It's- pretty involved it's brutal i'm not saying it's not but it's also just less intricate than a wine bottle down the throat you're saying he went too hard on the first kill he needs to keep that consistency yeah you can't go hard as fuck and then just go boring for the rest of it well back outside Ginny and isaac are doing the classic teenage slasher thing of getting it on Ginny is done and starts walking away from evan who is asking for only three more minutes of her time you say it very chilled should i be like getting it on no she's like i'm done and he's like what about me and she's like Bitch, I'm not a... What did she say? She's like, I'm not it's a... It's a vagina, not a all-night drive through Yes. That is a good line. It is a good line. But he's only asking for three more minutes of her time. When she turns around to face him, we see the butcher standing right behind him. He breaks a tennis racket in half and sticks both ends into Evan's head. Pretty cool. I was going to say, do you have a problem with this kill? No. It's like one of those costume things with the arrow. Yeah, with an <laughs> arrow coming through your head. Ginny screams and runs back into the house, locking the doors behind her, which proves to do nothing because the killer simply crashes through it. He picks up a spear and throws it at her, but it misses, getting stuck on the wall instead. We get a scene that really upsets me because Ginny runs into a closet that has a trap door in it. So when the killer goes to search for her, he can't find her. But she leaves this hiding space. Why would you leave? To escape. Horror movie rules. You gotta get out. You can't stay in the one spot. Also, he probably would have found her. But her parents were coming. Then he would have killed her parents. I think he only kills teenagers. That's true, because then he didn't stick around to kill her parents afterward. She is tiptoeing around until she hears her parents pull up in the driveway. She whispers, Daddy, similar to in Scream, and runs to meet her parents. Instead, she meets with the butcher, who hoists her up and shoves her body onto the spear from earlier. Just like you. In so many other movies. Oh, fuck. Just like in uh, Santa Claus. Uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Just like in Silent Night, Deadly Night. That's what, at least what I thought of, like when um, Quigley gets poked onto that deer. Yeah, it's also similar to Halloween, where he stabs them with a knife and they're like just hanging there. And I only say Halloween because right after this, the killer tilts his head like Michael to admire his handiwork. Is that what tilting your head implies? In my head, it's always like a, huh. Yeah, that's what he does. He's like, But is that admiring or is that more like, well... I didn't, I, did that. I didn't expect that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what that looks like. However, he is distracted by the eerie dagger that is making even more creepy whispered noises. The butcher removes his mask to stare at the dagger, and it's Vince Vaughn. We cut back to Ginny's parents entering the home. They make some comment about her having boys over, only to discover her hanging from the wall and Ladola missing. And that's just the whole cold open. <laughs> yeah. It was a very long cold open. <laughs> I mean, it goes on for a minute. Horror movies love their intro to the murder. It's kind of like Supernatural, where you get introduced to whatever's killing people, and then it starts with the episode yeah that's super common that's in like svu shows they always show the kill first and then the people coming in to investigate we get a title card saying freaky and are introduced to millie and the whole kessler 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 the whole casserole family the whole casserole family the whole kessler family which includes her mom coral Coral. which really 
which really pissed me off because the entire time I wanted to say her name was Carol. It is Coral? It's Coral. Wow. Booker, Coral. I'll give it to them. They went with unique names here instead of stealing names from slashers. I guess. They could have gone with Billy, Sally, Bobby. Like all of them. Yeah. Billy, Sally, Max, Sam. We should probably do like a... Most common names (laughs) in horror movies. We totally should. Billy was the biggest one. Billy's number one and he's the killer. We did like five movies where Billy was the killer. Billy was the killer in a row. (laughs) We didn't even plan that shit. It just happened. (laughs) This is just a PSA. Don't name your kids Billy because he may be a murderer in a horror movie. Yep. Yeah. But Coral. <laughs> and older sister Charlene, who is a cop, they sit down to breakfast and you can tell it's a little bit tense. Millie's mom notices some college application in Millie's books, but doesn't comment on them. Instead, she brings up how they don't eat like a family anymore since the passing of their father. But Char quickly changes the subject, asking Millie if she has a date to the homecoming dance that's happening on Friday. Okay, I don't like her character. I thought she was supposed to be like a spoof on Dewey, on Dewey, <laughs> but also in Scream for Judy. Oh, okay. Like a combination of the characters. But at least those characters eventually were good cops. Her sister is never a good cop. She's fucking so triggered happy yes and we will talk about that <laughs> yeah, scene like, later we can talk about it later because <laughs> she's she's doing her thing but then she really flips she's really not good yeah but coral quickly interjects and says that they have a date together to go see wicked char teases them about this but gets a message from her sergeant saying that there is an emergency she gets up to leave and throw her breakfast out noticing an empty bottle of chardonnay in the garbage charlene looks disappointed at her mother and leaves visibly upset i hate when characters just throw away their breakfast you could eat it in the car on the way to work it's one pancake, ma'am. I will have it. I'll eat the food. Roll it up and take it with you. <laughs> Roll it up and smoke it. Fuck, just don't waste it. <laughs> yeah. We cut to Millie being picked up by her friends, Josh and Nyla, for school. They're grilling her about why she won't be going to the dance, and she admits that her mom made her feel so guilty about not hanging out with her that she agreed to miss the dance. Millie asks why they even want to go, and Josh says that he's in it for all the drunk straight boys that suddenly realize they're fluid. Nyla points out that this sounds rapey, and Josh simply says good, which I don't think is a joke that aged well at all. This is only two years old. (laughs) Yeah, they should have known better. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. They focus their attention back on Millie, saying that her crush Booker will be there, when Millie says he doesn't even know she exists. Josh says that she's a fucking piece and Nyla agrees with her that she just needs to own it. And I hate this trope in movies. It's the very clearly the shy girl who's very obviously beautiful, but doesn't have confidence. So she's ugly. You had a really big problem with Millie. Let's just say, guys, that Vivi really resonated with Millie's character and was really, really harsh on her because she felt like she was this because she's the pretty girl with the nerdy face thank you (laughs) (laughs) the glasses make her ugly she wasn't even wearing glasses no i know (laughs) that's the only thing that she needed that she was wearing glasses to be like the total cliche i'm also kidding i think vivi's glasses make her hotter you could just delete all of that (laughs) because no one needs to know how hot you are that i wear glasses after this exchange nyla pulls millie over for a quick heart to heart she tells millie that it's been over a year and she needs to start living her life for herself not for others. Millie knows what she's talking about, her mom, and explains how it's not easy for her since her father was Coral's whole world. Nyla's very understanding but tells her that she doesn't want Millie to wake up one morning and realize that her life passed her by because she was busy being what everybody else needed and not what she needed. I feel this, like this movie hit me on a specific note and I didn't really expect this freaky, what the fuck. But when my dad passed, I became like the man of the house or whatever. And in Millie's case, she's like very like, I'm not going to do any thing with anybody because i have to be here for my mom Mm -hmm. but i feel that right like you are probably like one of if not the last light for the person who's been widowed Mm -hmm. you feel that responsibility of like i feel shitty because they're at home and i want to go out and have a good time but yeah it's unfair i guess to expect that of your kid when especially in her case right where she's a teenager still going through like she's going to go to college yeah 
Yeah. I feel it even when I was 23, my dad passed. I was like a kid, mm-hmm. you know, a, a kid. <laughs> you're growing up. You're becoming an adult. There are other responsibilities and other things that you're thinking about. You're also grieving. If you want to get over it sooner, some people grieve different. Some people like to forget about it. Some people like to act like it didn't happen. Yeah. It's yeah. all very personal. And that's why I find her friends to be really good friends for high school. Because this is a difficult conversation that I feel like adults sometimes don't even want to have with other adults. I feel like high schoolers would be like, fucking get over it, you piece of shit. It reminds me of Scream when... <laughs> Billy's like, it's been over a year, Sid. Yeah, fuck you, Billy. That's literally what she says, yeah. (laughs) They part ways and Millie is making her way to class when she gets stopped by a parade of bullies. First, she gets barked at by a kid with very early 2000s hair. Like, seriously, this dude just gets all up in her personal space and barks at her. Ew. Then she gets harassed by Ryler, the obviously rich, mean girl of the school and her girl gang. I say rich because she just starts making fun of Millie's clothes and the fact that her mother is working class which tee hee hee that's that's so funny Ryler I think it would be so fucking funny where the one person who's obviously the leader goes and does all the picking and everyone else is like well good one and they all like stand around like dude do you not have your own personality do you not have your own things you give a fuck about yeah I don't remember if this was a thing in high school like an actual thing you know we see it in movies and shows but it's like I don't don't think that people actually do I mean if they do I mean fuck you get a life you know (laughs) (laughs) don't follow them follow yourself that's what I always say be the bully not the bully's assistant. Millie sighs and leans up against some lockers and a few lockers down we see her crush, Booker, who is smiling at her and she gives a little awkward wave. The bell rings and we cut to Millie running late to her woodshop class. She apologizes to her teacher, Mr. Bernardi, who is Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, fuck him still. (laughs) But he is not impressed. She takes her seat next to Booker, who offers her some advice. Just say your watch is five minutes ahead. Works for me every time. Mr. Bernardi then calls on Millie to present her project. She argues that her project isn't actually due, and man oh man, does this guy just go in on her, like, unnecessarily harsh. Like, it feels personal. What do you think drives a teacher to be this fucking mad? I think jealousy, that they have their whole lives ahead of them, and you... I don't think being a teacher is a waste of a profession, but this teacher felt like it was a waste of a profession, the way he's treating these students. Like, he regrets his life choices, and that's why he's going after people. If you hate your fucking job that deals with other people and you treat other people like shit, get a different job. I would be so pissed if a teacher treated me like this. Yeah, I told you a story while we were watching this. I had a teacher legit talk to me this way and basically tell me that I needed to get it together because a man wasn't gonna take care of me the rest of my life because I was pretty. That seems like a very inappropriate thing to say to a student. The thing that bothers me is I was a kid because if I would go back now, I'd be like, why are you talking to me like this? You are supposed to be a professional. We are getting everybody involved. Like, Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't tell anybody. I just took the, the verbal abuse. Also, but... wait to tell me like what's going on in your life. Cause... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just because you can't doesn't mean I can't. <laughs> and guess what? I did. So joke's on her. Oh, I'm not good looking. But you take care of me. That's all I mean. Oh, she didn't say good looking, man. Sorry. Yeah, you're yeah. right. <laughs> Listen, if you failed at being a gold digger, that's not my problem, lady. It also felt very personal. <laughs> yeah. We could take out that you take care of me part. I don't want anyone thinking that you take care of people. I just take care of you. I just tell everyone you're mean so no one will want you who do you tell i'm mean <laughs> everyone booker calls the teacher a dick under his breath but mr bernardi only says you say something booker this scene reminds me a lot of carrie where tommy tells the teacher you suck under his breath and then he's like what'd you say tommy he's like oh shucks yeah like he was kind of defending carrie very similar vibes to me i think i would have told him but i also had like a weird relationship with my teachers so at least no one did this to you in front of a whole class uh, when i was a kid in elementary school i had that happen i wasn't paying attention Why do people do this to children to teach you a lesson make sure you're paying attention because one time i got called out i was talking to some kid i had a really big problem with talking in adhd school. 
Yeah, no. Oh, now you have a podcast. <laughs> I don't say anything good. I just talk. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention. They're like, can you go up to the board and figure out the problem? And we were barely learning multiplication. I remember standing at the board and feeling so angry because, humble brag, I knew I was smart and I knew that if I knew, I would know. But I didn't know in the moment. I was so angry because they were putting me in the spot. Like, That's so cruel to me. Like, why fucking do that? I had a teacher in my senior year who knew I had troubles with math. Like, hated math, always been bad at it. And he knew this. And he would call on me every single class and make Make me stand there until I figured it out in front of everyone. What a waste of time. (laughs) Wasting everyone else's time who already knew how to do this. But two, you could pull me to the side and be like, you need tutoring instead of fucking doing that shit. Yeah, I hope this has been like fixed and that people aren't still doing this. No, I think people still do this. I hope kids now whip out their phones and record when you're being a dick. So maybe it has been changed. But Mr. Bernardi is only interrupted when everyone's phone starts to go off in class. A warning appears on everyone's phone that reads, Four Blissfield teens found brutally murdered. Suspect at large. We cut to Nyla and Millie hanging out in the school auditorium talking about how shocking the murders are. Josh comes in and jokes about it being a slaughterhouse. He shows them a video of Ryler crying, claiming that Ginny was one of her best friends, which we learned is not true since Ryler started a rumor about Ginny getting a carrot stuck in her pussy. Of course Ryler does this. Of course Ryler would do this. You can't have other people have attention without you. As Nyla chastises him, Millie comments that they are going to have to cancel the homecoming dance. Josh says that this isn't likely to happen as homecoming is like Christmas to this small town. We jump cut to a football game in full swing, screaming and excited teenagers. We focus on Josh and Nyla, as Josh says, told ya. We get a shot of the school mascot, which is a beaver, a gopher, a chipmunk, I couldn't tell you. I don't know, it's just got a big butt. And teeth. The school mascot is being bullied by some of the jocks. We learn that the mascot is Millie, and the jocks are throwing soda cans at her. Oh, it is a beaver. Calling her one beaver they would never touch. Booker is with them, and he doesn't say anything and just walks away. I don't think he's a good crush to have. Because he doesn't defend her? No, he doesn't say fucking stop it. He just walks away disgusted, but like, they're still gonna pick on her. Yeah. I guess you get like, we weird dude dynamics there yeah because it's your friends or whatever but yeah. more reason to be like dude just fucking stop guys are shitty as a guy guys are guys shitty. are shitty after the game nyla tells millie to just quit being the mascot but millie reminds her that this sort of thing looks good on a college application she notes that her mother is late to pick her up and her friends offer her a ride home since there's a psycho on the loose but millie refuses thinking her mom will be there any minute she assures her besties that she will be fine and with their secret handshake they part ways i didn't have a secret handshake with friends did you i didn't but two of my friends did have a secret handshake that the only they knew how to do with each other <laughs> wow. i have a video of it somewhere. how niche yeah <laughs> me and mark have one but sometimes i'm like worried that he and i do it because we're mexican mm. and i think people are gonna think we're doing gang signs i always get this weird nervous feeling when me and mark do our handshake <laughs> i'm always stressed about it <laughs> yeah i don't know why she insists her friends leave her alone with a cycle on the loose it's just not a good idea i'd be no. like yeah give me the ride if my mom shows up pissed i'll be like where were you especially if you're out and about and you see that like oh everyone's kind of gone though especially since it's a small town i don't even think i would wait half an hour i'd wait like 10 15 minutes and be like all right they're not coming unfortunately for millie it's getting pretty late and everyone has left the stadium and her mom has passed out wine drunk on the sofa millie tries calling her mom one more time before her phone dies and luckily her sister Shar is home she calls her back and tells millie that her mom is passed out drunk millie is barely able to ask her to come get her when her phone dies the stadium lights shut off and millie is visibly afraid she notices a tall man in the distance standing under a light post she starts whispering please don't be the butcher please don't be the butcher under her breath she yells at the man saying that her sister is a cop and will be here any second with her gun the butcher seems unimpressed and starts walking towards her millie is running towards the stadium in a beaver costume which is really unfortunate she's able to break into the stadium and hide under the bleed with the butcher hot on her trail. 
When she thinks she's safe, she tries to leave her hiding spot, but immediately comes face to face with the butcher. She starts to run, but the butcher simply speed walks and catches up with her. Tackling her to the ground, he raises Ladola to stab her. Neither seem to notice that all of a sudden there's a thunderstorm that appears and that we're suddenly on top of an Aztec temple. Yeah, I wonder if this is actually happening or if it's just the vision of the viewer, but it's pretty cool. It happens pretty seamlessly. What purpose would this type of dagger have? For them? Yeah. For the Aztecs. You know what I mean? I have no idea. The priest or whatever who's going to like stab the virgin because that's I'm sure who it was that they were killing with this thing. It's like, I want to be a virgin. (laughs) I want to experience that again. Or is it? I don't think anyone would want to experience it. Metaphoric. I guess that went dark. This is clearly just for storytelling purposes. (laughs) I don't think anyone actually did this. What? This is a lie? (laughs) How dare they? He brings the knife down on her shoulder, but he is also injured in the exact same spot. This freaks out the butcher enough to stop and check his wound. We then hear Shar yelling at them to leave Millie alone and she fires off two warning shots. The butcher flees as Shar reaches Millie. Shar explains that help is on the way, but Millie seems very confused as to why the weapon also hurt the butcher. Wouldn't the butcher have like just stabbed her in the heart? Would it have mattered? Like, would he have also gotten stabbed in the heart? Yeah, if you kill the person when you stab them with the ladola, do they die? Like, if you actually mortally kill them, does the magic just not happen? You wake up in a dead body? You don't wake up then. We cut to Millie in the police station. She is very much in shock as events just seem to unfold around her. Her mother arrives at the police station and is very upset as Millie consoles her mother. I thought that was very odd. Like, ma'am, I almost died and I have to comfort you. We got a shot of Ladola being taken into evidence. But back home, Millie is taking a bath as she hears her mother and sister arguing through the walls. Char is very much upset and blaming her mother for what happened as Coral, 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 claims that none of this is her fault and she only fell asleep after having one glass of wine. That whole ass bottle of wine. It's one glass. It's one glass. Yeah. One solid glass of wine. At night, we can see Millie tossing and turning in her bed. She is having nightmares of the attack as creepy chanting can be heard getting louder and louder as her clock strikes midnight. It is the next morning and we see Millie waking up. Okay, pause before I get into that. Obviously, they switch bodies. So to kind of avoid confusion because I'm a visual person, I will keep referring to Millie as like Millie, like her body. Vince Vaughn. It's Vince Vaughn in it, but I'm just going to keep saying Millie. Yeah. And every time I say the butcher, I mean Millie, but it's the butcher's body. <laughs> yes. I apologize. It's just visually is what made sense to me. Butcher Millie. That would have gotten <laughs> confusing to me to type out. It is the next morning. We see Millie wake up and she seems very confused. She's looking around her room when her mom comes in asking how she feels. Millie's only response is to spit out her retainer. Her mom keeps asking if she's all right, but she doesn't respond. She is taking in her surroundings and looks at her hands. I really like this idea of a killer being put into like a young teenager's body. Yeah, it's a really fun idea. The actress who plays Millie, Catherine Newton, I feel like she does really good to reenact the killer butcher. She does. Vince Vaughn too. Vince Vaughn does great. Does a really good job at playing Millie. Yeah, he even has her nervous tics of playing with his hair and biting his nails. Coral tells her to come down for breakfast when she is ready. When she leaves, Millie finally takes a look at herself in the mirror. She looks herself over and gives her boobs a squeeze. It's of clear course. you got to. Of course, yeah. It's clear that the butcher is in Millie's body and he seems to accept his fate very quickly. We cut to the butcher hideout. Does that say something about the butcher? He's just going with it, man. Think about it. You're on the run. You're very recognizable. Now you're in the perfect sheep's clothing. Yeah, but also do you think this has something to say about the butcher's sexuality the entire time? Millie even makes a comment later. He's like, he's really good at being a girl more than I am. Yeah. <laughs> he's got style. It could be. It could be that whole thing alluded to in Texas Chainsaw where Bova is kind of femme and masculine at the same time. I mean, in case you haven't guessed, there's a lot about gender roles in this movie. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, that could totally be one of them. We cut to the butcher's hideout, where he is waking up as well. The butcher asks, where am I? Then freaks out at the sound of their own voice. He further freaks out when he looks around at the hideout. Now, this hideout is amazingly gross and well done. It's clearly headquarters for a murderer because he's got, like, practice traps set up. It's very murdery. It's like Saw, like where Jigsaw sets up his practice traps, you know? Like, go watch it and go examine this room. I think the people who did the set design just really had a good time with it. The butcher backs away from everything in the hideout and turns to see himself in the mirror. He lets out a scream and we get a date stamp, letting us know it's Friday the 13th. Dun, dun, dun. The butcher, now obviously Millie, just tells himself that he's hallucinating when he is interrupted by a man looking for drugs. He tells the man that he doesn't have any, but then asks him if he looks like a small, blonde teenage girl. The man now fully believes the butcher is on drugs and insists on having some, saying he wants to feel like a girl. The butcher just leaves the hideout very (laughs) freaked out. I'll suck your dick. All of it. Back at the Kelsler home. Millie has made her way down for breakfast. She is very fascinated by a knife that Coral is using to cook breakfast and even manages to take it from her when her mother is distracted answering the door. Charlene makes her way downstairs complaining that it smells like a fucking Denny's. Who complains about this? (laughs) Charlene really fucking hates breakfast. She really does. Also, bitch, make your own breakfast then. You are a grown ass woman. (laughs) Yeah, you're a fucking cop. You could go kill people. You can make your own breakfast. Obviously, they're the same thing. (laughs) While Charlene's back is turned, Millie starts approaching her with the knife but it is taken from her as her mother enters the room again. She tells Millie to go back and get some more rest as Millie just stares. She tells her that her friends must be worried, but that she should stay home. Millie simply repeats the word friends very creepily. (laughs) These are like the first words she said as the butcher. Fuck yeah, I got friends. Easy targets. Yes. Always wanted friends. Samarda. We got to a view of the town where the butcher's face is plastered all over the news cycle in TV shop windows. Unfortunately, the butcher does not know that and he is walking around town like he's not a wanted man. He crashes into a woman who immediately recognizes him as the killer and starts screaming. The butcher also screams and runs off. Back at the Kelsler home, Millie is looking for an outfit for school, but is not impressed by what's in her closet. She goes to Charlene's closet and she finds a nice red leather jacket that seems to please her. We then cut to Millie at school, making her way through a pep rally to enter. Yeah, the butcher suddenly knows how to put makeup on. He's got his hair done. He's got this jacket on. He's feeling himself walking into school. He's fucking kicking ass, visibly. Um, Everyone's really into her. As the song Kesera Sera plays and the students and event around her take place in slow motion. Once she actually enters to school, the song Record Scratches and Don't Trust Anyone by the Suicide Boys starts blaring. It's a funny transition. It starts to go into metal and they're like, don't trust anyone. <laughs> like screaming it. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say it again. It's the very classic walking down the hallway like it's a runway because you're hot scene. Nyla and Josh stop her and Josh is surprised that she looks cute. They try to talk to Millie, but Ryler shows up out of nowhere between them. She is taking pictures of Millie, calling her a victim. Josh and Nyla tell her to leave Millie alone, but Millie actually tells her friends to fuck off. Ryler finds this funny and keeps following and talking to Millie. She tells her that of course the guy is a killer based on the police sketch alone. He's ugly as fuck and only ugly people are killers (laughs) fuck millie cuts her off and tells her to take her somewhere private ryler does so happily thinking millie is going to share some more information about her case back in town the police are searching for the butcher as he makes his clumsy escape i mean clumsy because he's bumping into everything because he's not used to being tall no not used to being so big i think this dynamic is so fun because she's literally just walking out in the open and she's like oh my god i'm (laughs) gross i'm a giant but the people in the town clearly recognize her. Like, I thought that a film like this would take a while before Millie in The Butcher's Body was ever discovered. But because she's just really adamant about switching bodies ASAP because she doesn't know what's going 
going on. She's kind of just out and about and is like, let's get to the point. People are going to recognize me regardless. So I think that it's fun that the film just goes for it. Yeah, I do appreciate the pacing of this movie because it's just fast and you know what you're here for and it's just about having fun with it. He is able to sneak into the school. Millie and Ryler are in a locker room as Ryler grills her about what happened to her. It's clear that Millie is looking for some sort of weapon as Ryler keeps insisting that she spill the tea. Millie approaches her and caresses her hair, which makes Ryler think Millie is a lesbian. Ryler seems kind of into it for yeah. a minute, but then she insults her and says that she's going to the bathroom and Millie better tell her everything when she gets back. In the stall, we can see Ryler sending a group text out, basically outing Millie, saying she's a lesbian to a whole bunch of kids, which is a huge dick move. Especially since you were just showing that you were into it like two seconds. Yeah. When she hears a strange noise, she follows it only to discover the butcher is in the school shower. She runs off and bumps into Millie, informing her that the butcher is here. Millie tells her to find a safe hiding spot and then puts her in a cryo freezer. Which is clearly an illusion to Halloween 2. Like, I know that wasn't one of the inspirations or whatever, but do you remember Halloween 2? We were like, why the fuck does the boiling sauna thing have a danger zone? Why does the school have a cryo freezer? <laughs> okay, I get the athletes need it for their muscles, but like, how rich is the school? There's ice baths and then there's cryo freezers where it looks like the thing went to like negative 300. It did. Or something. Yes. <laughs> Ryler asks if this is safe, but Millie says, no idea. And locks her in there, turning the machine on full blast. The butcher leaves the shower and comes across the cryo freezer. He opens it to find Ryler frozen to death. When he taps her, she falls and shatters into a million pieces. Perfect. I feel like I've seen this death in another movie as well, but I can't remember. In the hall, there's an announcement that the homecoming dance will be canceled and all the students complain and protest. Millie is walking along when Mr. Bernardi stops her and calls her into class. She takes her seat next to Booker, who looks surprised to see her and asks if she's okay. He accidentally cuts himself on his woodworking project and starts to bleed. Millie notices the blood on his finger and puts it in her mouth to suck the blood. Bernardi notices and goes in on Millie again, saying if she put as much effort into school as she did- Sucking boys' hands. As she did into flirting, she would actually make something out of herself. If I was a teacher and I saw these kids doing this thing, I would not acknowledge it. What you horny people do on your own time is your business. You're going to go home and be like, I literally saw a girl suck the blood off some dude in the middle of my shop class, and I don't know what to think about it. I don't even think I would comment on that. I'd be like, those kids just need to wait till they're out of class. While your wife sucks your blood finger. Why do you need a blood finger? Are you like sacrificing stuff all the time in a world like this why not i guess millie gives bernardi a look that you know she's planning to kill him right after this in the school auditorium josh and nyla are waiting for millie commenting on how weird she's acting when the butcher runs in screaming telling nyla not to freak out this would be so hard like how likely in real life would it be to to be like, hey, I'm not this, and I switched bodies. I would just immediately start saying secrets that I know about my friends. She takes too long. She takes way too long. They, of course, freak out and run away. The butcher catches up to Nyla and tries to talk to her, but Nyla just kicks him square in the balls. <laughs> and this is where the butcher's like, oh, I have balls. <laughs> He continues to chase them as Josh yells out that Nyla is black and he is gay and they are so screwed. This whole sequence is so fun. It is so funny. They run into the school's kitchen where a lunch lady sees the butcher and just runs, leaving the kids behind. She said, fuck them kids. A hilarious battle ensues where Josh and Nyla use everything in sight to fight the butcher and him just trying to reason with them. The butcher is just like standing there, not feeling any of it. And she's like, oh yeah, I'm strong. They throw plates, tater tots, and even beat him with giant spoons. He's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> 
But in the end, the butcher is pretty strong and able to knock them both down until they can't fight anymore. As Nyla and Josh lay on the ground, the butcher starts doing the beaver mascot dance and they start to believe him. How'd you learn it? How'd you learn it? How <laughs> are long you have watching you been watching him? our yeah. games? <laughs> they start to believe him after a few lines of questioning and one secret handshake to confirm it. How long have you been watching the secret handshake? <laughs> Nyla and Josh finally believe that he is Millie and freak out even more. In the boys' bathroom, the butcher explains everything that happened the night before about the matching wound and the strange nightmares where he kept hearing the name Le- Dola being repeated. Josh does a quick search on his phone and finds it, explaining that it's an Aztec dagger and was used for ritual sacrifice. He notices that there is Spanish writing on it, but none of them can read it. The butcher suggests that they go to Mrs. What do they call her? Cayennes. Yeah, I've never seen that name before. Yeah, it sounds like a spice. Yeah. Cayenne pepper. Is that the joke? I don't know. They're like, she's Hispanic. She's a spice name. She's a pepper. We cut to the Spanish teacher translating the dagger's inscription. And when we first saw this movie, I said, it's an Aztec dagger, but there's Spanish writing on it. That doesn't make sense. It would be native writing. <laughs> and I don't think that's like super common to be able to translate. But the teacher literally says this, but in Spanish. So it feels like a joke to people who speak Spanish who are like, we know, we know it doesn't make sense, but just go with it. Yeah. She explains that if the sacrifice is not successful, the souls of the two bodies switched will become permanent after 24 hours. And they're like, 24 hours? There's dramatic music. It zooms into her face. And she's like, see. Yeah. And then we cut back to the butcher who waits for them in the bathroom as the bully who always barks at Millie barges in on the stall. The butcher takes this moment to get a little payback, barking at the kid and lifting him up by the collar. He warns him to never mess with Millie again, and the kid begins to pee his pants. Yes, fuck the bully. What I really like about this movie is that Millie's gaining confidence in the butcher's body. And I pointed this out to you. I would love to be huge and tall to feel like this, because I know what it's like to be 5'1", and people just kind of walk all over you, literally. They, like, don't even see you. And suddenly you're commanding space, and you're super strong. Yeah, you say that that that's why you like try to move me sometimes. And this makes me sound like a dick, but I don't move for people, especially if they're like clearly not moving for me. So I'm also not going to move. This probably sounds like a toxic masculinity thing, but it's not It's not like it's that. Not. I think it's about being a douchebag and being like, look, I'm here too. Being a girl, people expect you to move out of their way. And there's been times where I've tried to be like, I'm not going to move out of anyone's way today. And I've had literal men stare at me like, why didn't you move out of my way? Fuck them. And you could say I'm being dramatic and exaggerating. No, this shit happens. Just look at the way people interact with each other in the city especially because that's where we run into the most people who are walking in the street it's like people just don't move and you've always like shoved me or pulled me and i'm like why are you pulling me i'm not a child and then you're like because that person's passing i'm like they can see they can say excuse me too yeah it's just the habit of like if i don't get out of the way people push me out of the way i will fucking shove people yeah but you're five one and you can't <laughs> so that's why i want a yeah. vince vaughn body <laughs> yes yes the butcher is grossed out and just drops the kid and leaves to meet Nyla and Josh. They explain that he's going to have to stab Millie with the dola before midnight if he wants his body back. The butcher panics because that means there's only nine hours left to accomplish this. They realize that Ladola is in the police station in the evidence locker and they should head over to get it ASAP. The stakes are so high because when they said nine hours, I was like, oh my God, they still have the prom. They still got to go get it from the cops. They so still got to do so much. They still got to find the Millie butcher. I go to the grocery store and my whole day is over. But the butcher thinks they should capture Millie first because she can kill or harm anyone in her body. We cut to Bernardi grading papers as Millie walks in and puts on what looks like a lab coat and goggles. She turns on the table saw as Bernardi gets more and more upset 
by her presence. Because he's yelling at her and she's not even acknowledging him. No. Yeah. I know what I'm about, son. Look what I'm wearing. Professional. Also funny that the butcher would just put the gear on. You got to protect your cool red leather coat. <laughs> True. He gets up to tell her to shut off the saw and she lunges at him with a screwdriver. Bernardi quickly overpowers her and claims self-defense. He looks like he knows karate or something, right? Because he's like putting himself in a fighting pose or he judo is. or some bullshit. Yeah. Millie, however, does not give up as she continues to try to attack him. But once again, Bernardi overpowers her and enjoys way too much just kicking the shit out of her like she's already done an owl and he continues to kick her clearly he has issues he has a personal vendetta against this child it's gross yeah i think this is funny because it's the first time we also see the butcher realizing that millie's frame is a problem when it comes to attacking people he thinks she is down and out but millie grabs the screwdriver and jams it into his neck he pulls it out and oozes out a ton of blood. I don't think you should have pulled it out, man. Millie uses this opportunity to kick him onto the saw table and saws him from the top of his head down. It's a pretty cool kill. Yeah, it's a sandwich kill. Sandwich kill. Yeah, it's like meats. Oh, yeah, like um, and a half. Like in Fear Street, the bread machine kill. That one's worse, though. That one was way worse. Right? Because it like chops it. It was so gross. This yeah. one's just like one slice. Down the middle. Millie leaves the wood shop room and runs into the cops who don't find her suspicious at all. Just then, Nyla, Josh, and the butcher turn the corner and see Millie. The butcher is impressed by the outfit choice, but tells Millie she needs to stay where she is. Instead, Millie screams for the cops, and the gang is forced to make a break for it as the cops chase them down. The butcher does a really good impression. Oh my god, the I butcher's right here! Yeah. yeah, and then as soon as they're gone, she goes straight-faced again. Yeah. Pretty good. They get into Josh's car and speed off. They're trying to figure out what to do in the car, but the butcher is more worried about leg room. He keeps telling Nyla to scooch up a bit, just scooch up a bit. I don't ride in the back very often anymore because I don't, I'm always driving. He's always the driver. <laughs> but historically, I've always run into the guy thing where it's like, you need ball space. Oh, is that what this is? I don't know that this is it. I think this is just purely like the leg room thing, but I've been in cars with dudes where it's one, bad to be in the bitch seat, the middle seat, because you don't get ball space because the two dudes on the side. Because my balls are huge, man. <laughs> And they need their own space. <laughs> I put my balls in the microwave and now they're too big. <laughs> Why are you in the microwave? There's a South Park episode oh, okay. where they're all riding their balls. I do remember yeah. seeing that, yeah. So they get medical marijuana, they needed to get cancer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I do remember those. Anyway, South Park's ridiculous. But yeah, like the two dudes on the side have to have ball space and they like spread their legs open. And the guy in the middle gets left out because he's got to be like this. That's why bitch seat's not like a thing for guys because they're like, I can't spread my balls. Guys are fucking weird, dude. Uh, being a man is just fascinating because, <laughs> you know, th that's your guy code. That's your bro language. Like, that's something all men know that your so. balls need space. And then there's like women who are like, we can't go to the bathroom alone because we'll get murdered. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> but my balls. I need space. Balls. Balls. Yeah. I need to spread my legs as open as possible. Y'all are so dramatic. I didn't say I do this. <laughs> I could sit on my balls. I'm sitting on them right now. <laughs> they decide they need to get the butcher a disguise, but just then they pass a police car that happens to be Char's. She starts to pursue them and they decide that hiding in a parking lot would be their best option. Unfortunately for them, it's the parking lot of the store where Millie's mom works. They run into the store to avoid Char and decide to hide the butcher in the dressing room while they get him something to hide in. While in the dressing room, Millie's mother almost enters his dressing room, but the butcher shoves her out. She tries to ask him if he needs help, and he says no. He's just trying on polos. <laughs> Very specific. She confesses that she's really good at helping men pick out polos and tries to help him. She starts telling a story about her husband and how she picked out the best polo for him. I feel so bad for Coral because you feel that, although we see the interaction obviously with the butcher, she's probably been doing this with every 
everybody. Every customer. You know, it's really sad. I don't know if her mom is doing this with everyone. She says later on that she feels like they have a connection. So she feels like she overshared accidentally. But yeah, she could be doing this to everyone in a dressing room. But the butcher didn't really do anything. No, he really didn't. Like, we have a connection. No. There really wasn't anything other than just listening. Yeah, another unexpected heart to heart in this movie. She starts telling a story about her husband and how she picked out the best polo for him. And it quickly makes her share that he passed away a year ago. Carol is shocked that she shared so much with a stranger, but the butcher reassures her that it's okay that he just lost his father. They have a touching moment where Coral continues to express her worry over her daughters. She worries that Millie will leave for college and leave her behind, but the butcher assures her that that will never happen because she is her mother, after all. And Millie won't just forget her. This touching moment turns awkward when Carol tries to ask this man out on a date. Good for her for trying to get back like, out there. Get back out there, right? Like I know that some people are weird about it. I say good for Coral because if that's what she wants to do, she's fucking putting herself out there. Good for her. Yeah. The butcher says "ew" and then quickly corrects his statement, <laughs> saying he'd love to go get coffee with her, dinner even, but he's married. <laughs> They are interrupted by Jar, who informs Carol that Millie is in danger, and they run off. Nyla and Josh are back with a mask for him, which is apparently the face of Aaron Rodgers. Apparently this is funny because fuck sports, but Vince Vaughn's a huge Chicago Bears fan. Aaron Rodgers is from the Green Bay Packers. So it is funny because Millie's like, who is this? And they're like, it's Aaron Rodgers. Josh is like, I'm gay, and even I know that. And she's like, ew, I hate sports. They head back to the car with the butcher crashing into everything because he can't see out of that mask. Josh tells Nyla to drive because he needs to troll Instagram to find where Millie's body is. They find Millie mini-golfing with a bunch of jocks and race to meet her there. We see Millie talking with the jocks about how upsetting it is that homecoming is cancelled and how they should throw a party to retaliate. They just don't know where they would hold it. Millie suggests they use the old mill so that no one will think to look for them there. One of the jocks tries to put the moves on Millie because they're really excited by this idea, but Millie quickly shuts it down, saying that his touch makes her pussy drier than sandpaper and that she can't wait to kill him. This guy does not find that line suspicious at all. Millie walks away, grabbing a box cutter, but not before turning back and making eyes at Booker. Booker follows after her, just as the gang makes it to the mini golf place. I thought Booker was going to die. I thought he was going to die in this scene too. They see Booker follow Millie through the security cameras and the butcher grabs a golf club, telling them to divide and survive, which I feel like is the exact opposite of what you should do in horror movies. That's how you die. That's how you die. Although I guess Texas Chainsaw, the new one, taught us that all being together just gets you massacred. Mass murdered. Yeah. They're all sneaking around the golf course when Millie sneaks up behind Booker. She's about to attack him when they run into the butcher who pushes Booker out of the way and knocks Millie out with a golf club it's a pretty brutal hit like her head spins around and everything booker tries to run away but josh yells don't let him go he'll call the police by using his brute strength the butcher crashes through a wall and then crashes into booker knocking him out immediately i just love how millie just clearly does not know how to work the body and she's just like flinging it everywhere (laughs) knocking everyone out we see this in a lot of movies where like the big bulky character get everything right accidentally because of how clumsy they are yeah they like move their hand and they knock out the bad guy yeah yeah slapstick comedy they take millie and booker back to josh's place where they tie up millie and tend to a knocked out booker who starts to wake up the first person he sees is the butcher and he freaks out the butcher tries to explain that he is actually millie but millie interrupts asking booker for help They try to tell her to shut up as the butcher tries to explain what happened to them. Booker tries to just leave because he can't understand what's going on, but the butcher stops him by reciting a love poem. This gets Booker to believe him, and Nyla asks what the hell they just heard. I'm with Nyla because there was no explanation of a love letter in this entire movie. Booker reveals that he knew it was Millie the whole time, right? He's like, I figured it was you about the poem? About the poem, yeah. Yeah. Or that he had hoped that it was her. Booker 
explains that he found a poem in his locker but didn't know who it was from. Millie laughs and calls the butcher a bunch of not nice things and they stuff a sock in her mouth. It's also funny when she's trying to like get Booker to believe that she is Millie. She's like, Booker! (laughs) Booker. (laughs) The other thing that I think is cool about the film is that Booker, although Millie is in the butcher's body, is still open to like be into her. Yeah. Because I feel like a very masculine piece of shit dude would be like, ugh. Yeah. No, their romance (laughs) like still very much plays out for the rest of the film. Yeah. Fuck you, dude. You're in a man's body? Gross. Get away from me. Call me when you're hot again. My balls are squished, actually. (laughs) I have to go. Now with the help of Booker, the four of them put together a plan. They realize they need to go steal Ladola from the station. Booker informs them that the cops may be busy with a party that's just been thrown at the old mill. The butcher realizes that that's where he woke up this morning and that Millie has probably set them there as a trap. They decide that someone needs to stay with Millie's body and that it should be Josh since it's his home. Josh is not thrilled to be left alone with Murder Barbie, but the rest of the group heads out. Murder Barbie's fun. I'd love a Murder Barbie. Can we get a Murder Barbie line? Just like a Barbie line of horror classic monsters, like the old ones and like the um, new? That might exist. I'm pretty sure there's a Barbie that's like the bride. Is there a Barbie Michael? Is there a Barbie Jason? Is there a Barbie um, Carrie? Get on it. Get on it, Mattel. Oh, it could be like all the Barbie final girls. Ooh, yes. They arrive at the police station to find it pretty much empty, like Booker said, except for Char. Char's the only cop in this entire town. Left there. No, because there's the other cops in the hall from earlier. Oh, true. Yeah. I'm guessing she was left there because she is not good at her job and they don't need her help. Well, all the lights are off. It's a small town. They can't afford to keep the lights on all the time. <laughs> so police just work in the dark? Yes. In this place? Okay. Um, That's why she's pissed all the time. He's always working in the dark. She can't fucking see. <laughs> Nyla tells the butcher and Booker to wait in the car while she figures out how to get Ladola out of the station. She marches in acting afraid, telling Char that they were kidnapped by the butcher, but she was able to escape. She believes the butcher has followed her here and she needs Char's help. Char instructs Nyla to hide under her desk while she scopes out the area. In the car, the butcher and Booker have a heart-to-heart, where the butcher explains that this experience has been oddly empowering, that as someone who is bullied often, it is nice to have the strength to stand up for yourself. Booker tells the butcher that real strength doesn't come from size, but from within. I get what he's trying to say, but... I'm going to call bullshit on this one, Booker. (laughs) My heart and mind cannot beat up a grown man. I wish it could. They can if you tell them how little their dick is. Emotionally, not physically. you tell them that they're not tall enough. Oh, that's true. If you tell them they're balding. You could probably mindfuck a lot of guys. Yeah, but then they just kill you because they're angry. Mm. And my heart and mind cannot defend me from that. I need to get buff. (laughs) Just a little tiny muscle person. (laughs) A little muscle hamster. (laughs) Just an angry small girl walking around (laughs) punching people. Back at Josh's home, Millie is staring him down as he tries to ignore her and watch TV. He goes to get a snack when he hears his mom announce that she is home. Josh panics as his mom finds Millie all tied up. He tries to explain to his mom that Millie's tied up because they're role playing and he tries to play it off as a sex game gone wrong kind of thing. He's like, mom, I didn't want you to find out this way, but I am straight. And they both just look at him not amused. I think it's funny that she's like, dude, you've been gay as fuck like forever. No, you're a lot of things, but straight isn't one of them. (laughs) His mom is not buying this she grabs a knife trying to free millie but josh is yelling at her to stop because it's actually the blissfield butcher it's too late however because millie has pulled free and stomped on josh's mom's foot causing her to drop the knife right in front of her josh grabs his mom and starts to run for it as millie picks up the knife 
and chases them. They lock themselves in a room, and we get a very The Shining reference as Millie stabs through the door and starts banging on it like crazy. I will say this again, and I've said it before. I don't understand staying by the door, knowing that the killer is like putting things into the door. That's how you fucking die. I thought Josh was going to die here, because he keeps like standing by the door, and at one point, Millie pulls the knife out, and I was like, fucking move. Move. She's dude. going for it <laughs> yeah. again. She ends up just leaving, though. Yeah. She's like, you know what? You're not worth it. You're not my real target. Back at the police station. Nyla has grabbed Ladola when Josh calls her to inform her that Millie has escaped and is probably heading to the police station. Just then, Shar comes in and catches Nyla and immediately pulls a gun on her. Her little sister's best friend. Her friend who we were talking about was like probably her friend for a long time. So Shar yeah. should know her. And she's very insensitive in listening to Nyla. Like Nyla's trying to be like, hey, dude, like this is happening. Listen, yeah. You wouldn't believe us. But, and Char is very aggressively holding the gun up to her and won't listen to a single word. She keeps saying, like, fuck you, drop that, put your fucking hands up. Like, very aggressively, angrily speaking to a person who's her kid sister's childhood friend. Right. Her kid sister's probably not that much younger than her. Like, she's probably in her 20s. Yeah. And her sister's in high school. 18, yeah. Like, Char was probably in her teens when, you know, Millie became friends with Nyla. So I'm going to say racist. Yeah. Very racist. You should really look into yourself, Char. Also, you need to not be a cop. You, you really are shouldn't if you got anger management issues you should do not, not be, a, be cop. a cop yeah if you got issues in general just don't be a cop meanwhile in the car booker goes to the back seat to talk to the butcher he wants to talk about the love poem and confesses that he read it over a hundred times once he got over how creepy it was and that he had hoped it was from millie he chooses this moment to put the moves on her can i can i sit in the back seat with you yeah he's very sly about it all right and no shame on the point of this movie good for the film to show that like you can still like the person for who they are because clearly he likes millie and he's like making a move on her but i think it's hilarious that vince vaughn had to kiss a kid that is literally in my notes <laughs> did vince vaughn have to kiss this kid <laughs> he chooses this moment to put the moves on the butcher and they kiss but the butcher puts his hands up saying they should try it again when his hand isn't the size of his face. <laughs> we're just we're just going to try this again later. Yeah. In the police station, Char is just way too angry and ready to shoot Nyla. When Millie runs into the station, Nyla tries to explain that this is not really Millie, but Char just wants to shoot Nyla. There's like no other way to put it. No, like there's everything against her having to do this anymore and she's still just holding her gun up to Nyla. They're interrupted by the butcher running in, who Char just shoots at on sight. Millie is able to grab Ladola and run out of the station. She runs into a car just as Josh arrives on the scene. He tries to flag down the car thinking it's Charlene, but almost gets run over in the process. In the police station, Char instructs the butcher to get inside the holding cell. The butcher tries to talk to Char, but she is just trigger happy. And this is one of those moments where Nyla is also trying to explain and defend the butcher and she like is telling Nyla to shut the fuck up or she's also going to shoot her. Practically taking the gun away from the butcher and aiming it at Nyla again. I get Char being like fuck like we found the butcher this is dangerous but Nyla's not your enemy dude. No and she's <laughs> still treating her like the enemy. Like you could be calm and be like hey Nyla put the knife back. And I need you to get out of the yeah. line of fire. There's a normal way to do that. No she's like fuck you I'm gonna shoot you too. You stupid bitch I'll fucking kill you. I I swear to God, I'll fucking kill you. And the butcher just walks away. <laughs> the butcher makes his way into the cell as Booker comes in screaming, distracting Char. The butcher uses this to shove the gun out of Char's hand, wrap his arms around her, and carry her into the holding cell and lock her in there. 
He explains that he's sorry he killed her hamster that one time. He really thought he could swim, and this will all make sense later. And Shark kind of looks away like, like what? what? How would he How know? do you know? Yeah. Back outside, the gang is reunited with Josh, who thinks Shar tried to run him over. They explain that it was Millie who got away with Ladola. We cut to Millie at the dance. She runs into one of the jocks she was hanging out with earlier. I feel like I didn't get his name until way later. Uh, asshole who dies. Number asshole one. number one. Honestly, should just be his name. Rapey asshole number one. Brett. My name was well, Brett. Of course his name was it was Brett. a very classic douchey name. Yep. Sorry if your name's Brett. I was just going to name him Chad as a joke, but that wouldn't have been far off. Millie acts like she's suddenly interested in him, and he leads her away from the party. The gang also arrives at the party with only 13 minutes to spare. 13 minutes before midnight. Haha. Uh-huh. Before Millie is turned into the butcher forever. I just want to take a moment to point out that they decided to have this party here like an hour ago and it is fully <laughs> fucking decorated with a DJ. Everyone's got solo cups. There's yeah. decorations everywhere. Man, you want to plan a party, just get a bunch of teenagers on it. No one noticed the murder house full of beforehand traps. Yeah, I'd be like, um, I am not coming to this party. This is clearly a crime scene. <laughs> also, where's the suck your dick guy? Oh, no. <laughs> he should not be there. No. Booker gives the butcher a watch down the minutes as they go look for Millie. Millie is actually being led to the back of the old mill where two other jocks are waiting. It's kind of gross, but it's an implied like gang rape thing. Yeah, fuck these guys. Millie does not seem worried. She grabs the whiskey bottle that one of the boys is drinking and pours it out. They obviously get annoyed. They're like, oh my god, we had to ask our brother to, to buy us go that buy bottle. Us that. She smacks one guy across the head, breaking the bottle, and using the broken bottle, she slits the other guy's throat in one fluid movement. It's quite impressive, actually. She doesn't need size to do that. I, I was gonna say, Millie in the butcher's body is very clumsy, but the butcher just is very Agile. confident in whatever body he's in. The third guy, Brett, tackles her down, yelling, what did you do to my friends? As he throws her into some trash. Murder. Look at them. <laughs> They're fucking dead. You were about to rape me. Like, what are the rules here? Yeah, fuck you, dude. Unfortunately for him, there was a working chainsaw in the trash. He's no longer tough and is begging for his life. He falls over saying he's sorry, but Millie just chainsaws him in the balls. Don't forget Millie's at home. He just is like, oh, I know where everything's at here. Yeah, Millie as the butcher. Millie as the butcher, yeah. yeah. While this is happening, the gang is inside searching for Millie. The butcher has his Aaron Rodgers mask on again. They decide to break up to search for her, and Josh gets stopped by one of the jocks, who we learn is Phil. And he says he saw Millie and leads Josh outside. The butcher and Booker are searching outside and come across the three dead jocks one of whom has been decapitated. So I think the guy that she first just knocked out with the bottle, she finished the job. Booker runs to get Nyla and tell her Millie has killed Brett and the others. I love how they're just the others, just some groupies. Jock one and jock two. They notice that at that moment, the cops have walked in. Back outside, Josh is confused as to why Phil has let him outside because he clearly does not know where Millie is. Phil takes this moment to put the moves on Josh, who is surprised because he just does not have time for all this. Josh pushes him off, pushing him so hard that he crashes into a wall. Phil does not take rejection well and tells Josh that if he tells anyone, he will kill him, along with calling him a slur. Josh is like, oh, way to be so self-aware, when at that moment, a hook punches through the wall and grabs Phil in the eye. It's pretty funny because Millie is suddenly very, very strong because she just fucking yeets his body through that wall <laughs> yeah. like nothing. Gets pulled away. Yeah. yeah full weight. It kind of reminds me of the pulling the mannequin through the door in Nightmare. Yeah. That's how strong she suddenly is. <laughs> Maybe the thing with Millie being stronger too has something to do with it being closer to midnight. Does some of that strength 
an original ability come back to the person? I don't think so, because then wouldn't that make her more weak? Like she's more settling into the body because it's about to become more permanent. Yeah. The butcher has heard Josh's screams and is able to find them. He tells Josh to leave because this is his fight. Josh finds the rest of the gang and tells them they need to go help just as the cops shoot the air to clear out the party. That seems very irresponsible. Just, just like gunshots firing. in the air. <laughs> Get the fuck out. Don't those come down? It'd be better than them just running in and shooting. At people? At people, yeah. We don't know where the butcher is, so we're just going to spray bullets until we find him. I imagine if you're like cops that just show up at this party, you're like doing sirens and that's enough to make the kids fucking scatter. Yeah, we're doing an illegal party. We need to get the fuck out of oh, here. Oh shit, the cops are here. Not like, oh, the cops are here and you're still like vibing, partying. You're so on drugs that you don't even notice. Yeah. The butcher and Millie face off, and the butcher very much has the upper hand with his strength. He manages to grab Ladola and is about to stab Millie when the cops find them. Millie plays to her strengths and tells the cops to shoot him, which they do. They manage to shoot Ladola out of his hands, and Millie grabs it and makes a run for it. The butcher just body slams the cop and starts chasing after (laughs) Millie, but very quickly gets tired. Josh and Nyla come in for the assist, catching up to Millie and tackling her down. Oh my god, they run just like in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, when they're running faster than the cars that's how nyla and josh run I was past like, Vince Vaughn. are they on the track team because they're impressive i get that it's like he's old and his body's giving out sooner than the kids i think the effect though that the movie does is just so exaggerated because it's like <laughs> 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 it's so fast <laughs> josh grabs ladola and tosses it to the butcher they hold millie down as the butcher prepares to stab her just then the timer on her watch goes off and it's too late Millie begins to laugh, saying they didn't make it. But then the butcher remembers that Booker has set his watch five minutes ahead. Of course, this is how it ends. Of course. They hold her steady as the butcher stabs her, and we once again see the thunder, the flashing lights, and the top of the Aztec temple. Millie gasps as her friends ask her one question to make sure it's still her. Who's your favorite sports team? And she's like, ew, I hate sports. (laughs) The butcher looks menacing, ready to attack again, but the cops have finally caught up. With Booker right behind them. Josh yells, shoot that motherfucker. And the cops just do as he says. Because they're just so ready to shoot everybody. Yeah, finally. (laughs) The cops. (laughs) Fuck. I've been waiting for someone to say that all day. We cut to the aftermath. The cops and the ambulances are surrounding the scene. And Millie is in the back of one of the ambulances with Josh and Nyla. Who are still in shock over everything that has just happened. Booker interrupts to see how she is doing and get in that kiss that was promised earlier. We even hear Nyla and Josh cheering them on in the background. Char and Coral Char and Coral Char and Coral arrive on the scene and you think you get a happy ending. But we cut to the butcher being rushed to the hospital in an ambulance. Of course we do. You can't have a scene like this and not have us be like, oh... I guess we know what's happening. He is not doing well, and he begins to flatline. One of the paramedics says that it's for the best, but we pan down to see that the heart monitor is not even attached to anything. (laughs) These people are great at their job. Yeah, they're just like, oh, fuck, finally. Don't look at anything. They don't even try. I get it, though. I get it. You don't want the killer to go on and do more. Yeah, one of the paramedics even says, if you would have seen the bloodshed, you'd hope this guy would die, too. Back at the Kessler home, the women are settling in for the night. Coral is cuddling Millie and takes this moment to encourage her to go go to college in Boston like she wants. It's a sweet moment where she tells her that she needs to live her own life and Millie's very grateful for it. 
Later in the night, Millie makes her way downstairs and notices that the door has been left open. She yells at Char for this, but hears strange noises coming from her living room. She's too chilled. I feel like if you had just gone through everything you just went through, immediately and grab the a door weapon. was open. Yeah, I'd be like, fuck. Because you get traumatized by it, you know? For sure. I think people in horror movies are too fucking ready to just get Trust. over it. Yeah. yeah, they're not like Sydney who learns self defense. Of course, I have a gun. Yeah. She goes to investigate, and surprise, surprise, the butcher is right behind her. He gets a hold of her by holding a knife to her throat. Char walks in on the scene and prepares to shoot him, but he thought ahead and removed the bullets from her gun. What he didn't remove was Coral's wine bottles, however, because she uses one of them to smash him over the head. This causes him to let go of Millie as both Coral and Char attack him the best they can. This is cool. I like that all three of them join forces and fight back. I do like this scene. The butcher quickly gets the upper hand on the situation, taking them both down in a matter of seconds. He takes a moment to catch his breath as Millie tries to sneak up behind him with a knife in her hand. He tells her not to stop, but grabs the knife from her and just insults her, like her entire existence, telling her he understands why she's so weak. The loss of her father, the not living up to her sister, and taking orders from a drunk mom, not to mention all that anxiety. Yo, Butcher, you're you're supposed to be like somebody who just doesn't talk or think. You're supposed <laughs> to just kill people, and that's, that's your whole personality. You didn't have to get this philosophical and read me like this. Yeah. He headbutts her, and she falls to the ground. Millie tells him that she learned something being in his body, too that having balls sucks as she kicks him square in the nuts. They really do be sucking, though. Yeah, you need all that ball space. Balls be sucking. This distraction allows Coral and Char to get back in on the fight. Coral smashes him with a vase and helps Millie up as Char breaks a wooden chair over him. Coral tries to get Millie to run away, but Millie has another plan. She grabs one of the broken leg chairs and stabs the butcher in the back. He falls to his knees and Millie kicks the wooden stake deeper into his body. She like straight up goes buffy on him. Yeah. Finish him. <laughs> <laughs> the butcher finally falls over and is finally dead. Char only says, damn, Mill, gotta get me some of them steaks. <laughs> <laughs> and Millie's like, damn, Char. What is your issue? I'm surprised it wasn't you. Show <laughs> fucking anger management issues. <laughs> Seriously. They all look over the butcher's body and Millie admires her work saying, I am a fucking piece. Roll credits. It's a fun last moment where you realize Millie is in like full confidence now. She had some of it before, but this final face off gave her all the confidence she will ever need. Yeah, this is fun. I like the way that it ends. I always like to see the killer get killed. Get what they deserve. Yeah. Yeah, me too. You know, get that revenge. Still too much from the butcher just going in on Millie like, dude, I, I didn't ask for this. <laughs> You're supposed to be just a mindless killer. Yeah, well, he says all this because he says, we can fix that. It's clear that he intends to be in Millie's body again because it gives him the opportunity to just kill again and again without yeah. being caught. It not only helps him hide, but it also resets his life to young again. Yeah, you get back like 20 years of your life. Maybe more like 40. Well, I would assume that Vince Vaughn's like 40 and she's like 18. It's 52. Okay. So yes, more than 20 years. <laughs> but so what did you think of the movie? I really enjoyed it. It is a really fun idea. Even though you could say, oh, body switching movies have been done before. They haven't been used in this gory way. Kills are awesome. So many nods to other horror movies that it knows it's like slasher origins, but doesn't like just rip them off. Not sure if I mentioned that the kills on their own are pretty great. And I like the, just the story in general. It has a very similar vibe to, I know you haven't seen this movie, but like the Tragedy Girls. And in knowing that Christopher Landon worked on Happy Death Day too, it also has vibes of those films, which I like. And I like all the messages around gender and that Booker was not a fucking toxic man who's like, I'm not going to make out with you because you're in the body of a 50 year old man. <laughs> it's very specific, but it's a nice 
nice message. I think I would have been like, no, but simply because they fucking stink. If it was Hugh Jackman, I would definitely make out with you. (laughs) There's very specific men. That I would make out with, and Vince Vaughn is not one of them. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Vince Vaughn. Shallow. No, I'm kidding. What do you think? You got anything to add? You kind of gave a little review. Yeah, I think it's cool. I loved Freaky Friday growing up, too, and uh, all the horror movies that they played homage to, I feel like, are movies that I've enjoyed in the past. The kills are brutal, like you said. It's still fun as fuck. It's not cheesy. The jokes are funny. Josh is a great character. Nyla is a cool character. I think you really get the friendship view, where sometimes I feel like it's forced on you. Yeah, because I think good friends are really rare, especially in high school, and you can tell that these are good friends. Just from the difficult conversations they were willing to have with Millie. Yeah, I do like the message that sometimes it felt more normal to be in a girl's body than to be in his own, like the butcher. But there's also like the other side of it where there is obviously something empowering about being in a man's body. There's privilege that when you're in a woman's body, you would not get. So it explores it from both ends, I feel. Like being one specific gender over, and this is very much just, they don't really touch on non-binary, but it's saying that there are perks and pros and cons to being both and that maybe fluidity would be the best option right or at least that's what i got if i'm reading too much into it i don't care i like this movie yeah that's what i got out of it it's a good time what do you rate it i'm gonna give it an eight out of ten sweet i give it a seven and a half yeah like honestly i would watch this on halloween just because it gives me that good slasher vibe yeah it's a new classic do you want to talk about what scared loki about this movie i don't think anything scared him but i did want to ask you what do you think swapping bodies with loki would be like Um, I think it'd be full of anxiety and Prozac. So would it be any different? I don't have Prozac. So yeah, it might be better actually. Also, you could just like sleep all day and don't have to work. But then it's going to be Loki in your body. Like, ah, I don't know what to do. I mean, that's me in my body. It wouldn't be that suspicious or far off. How would you feel about it? I think he and I would be probably the same because he's always like so awake and so like, I don't want to not do do. anything. Yeah. Yeah. But you might not be able to notice a difference on my side either. You would have the anxiety side and I'd have the, we got to The constant need to do something. I'd run it a lot though. I think I'd run a lot if I was in his body. Because I've always wondered what it's like to run with four legs. To be super fast. Yeah. I would have zoomies all the time just for funsies. Loki would make me so fat. Oh my God, he would. (laughs) He'd just eat nonstop. Oh, this is what popcorn tastes like? Just eat all the bad things. Do you want to tell us what it'd be like, Loki? It's okay, Loki. We're not that great. <laughs> Sounds like you would run our lives into the ground. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. He'd deserve it. Does that pretty much wrap it up for us here today? I think it does. It's a freaky Saturday, so I don't know what we're doing after this, but it was a good time. It was. As always, we hope you guys had a good time here with us. You can follow us pretty much anywhere at Shaken Out Scared Pod, except Twitter. Twitter Shaken Scared Pod. You can send us an email at shakenoutscaredpod at gmail.com. You can support the show on Patreon. You can get early access to episodes or a bonus episode and theme drink idea every month. Listen wherever you get your podcast give us a follow check our drink videos the episodes that we will eventually post one day (laughs) we're getting to it i promise yeah we're trying to figure out our bar situation okay relax but for those of you two who listen on youtube i know that some of you do make sure to like subscribe comment on the videos be sure to like rate review like eric just said and all the other things and okay thanks bye bye